This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. If you will, with your Bibles, go to the book of Ezra. That is the book that we, our foundational scripture is on and the scripture that we'll be coming out of for the next few weeks in God preparing us to be used by Him. And knowing that our preparation is a good thing and our preparation is in time for us to move to a place when preparation is so very important. I thank God for all of you that press in, that understand the importance of it all. The importance of being prepared. Because when God wants to use you, there is a preparation period. Always before God uses anyone, or every time before God moves, anyone that he's going to use, there's going to be a preparation time. Always remember that. We learned last week that Ezra and Nehemiah, that God had touched both of their hearts. And God did it for a reason. He sent them back to Jerusalem because Jerusalem, again, was laying in waste and it was all messed up and it was all torn down. And so God, whenever something is all broke down and torn down, God will always send someone in to go and rebuild. So if you came in here this morning and you broke down, tore down, God has already sent you here and have sent you your help. God always does that. And so God has sent them both back to the city of Jerusalem because Jerusalem was torn down. And it needed restoration, just like some of us today just need restoration. God sent Nehemiah back to rebuild the city. The walls and everything was just crushed in that city. He sent Nehemiah back to take care of that. But he did Ezra and a whole other another thing. That's why you need to understand. God is God is not just one person. God used people to bring about His whole purpose. And then He was using uh, Ezra at the same time to restore Israel back to the place of worship. Because how many of you know? Once you broke down and torn down, it's very likely that you a worshiper. Or you worship because you're too broken down. You're too torn down. You don't want to worship. But God sent Ezra back to rebuild and establish worship back there. So beginning, it says, the Bible says in chapter 7, Ezra chapter 7, verse 6, it says, let me make sure I'm in there. Yes. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe. That's very important. In the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given, and the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. Now, notice this about and understand this. He was a ready scribe. Ready, scribe. See, that's why you have to be ready. You cannot try to do something for God without preparation. You can't prepare after the fact. You have to already be prepared before God is ready to use you. Are you following me? And we understand what 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 a ready scribe meant when he went down, jumped down to verse ten. It says, "For Ezra had prepared his heart." 
See, he had already prepared. That's what made him a ready scribe. He had already prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and do it. It's so important to know. It's not about coming to church. It's not about hearing the word. It's about hearing it and then doing it. It said he prepared his heart to seek the word and do it. Those little words like and do it. Those little three little small words are very important. Those things we kind of run by. But it, he didn't only seek because, see, we'll think, oh, well, I go to church, so I'm seeking the word. But it said he sought and did. And we have to not only seek, but we have to do. And to teach in Israel's, statu- uh, teach in Israel's statues and judgments. This thing that made Ezra ready to be used by God is that his, he first prepared his mouth, his tongue. No, his heart. It's a heart issue. That's what God is dealing with all of us about in these teachings about our heart. He was prepared with his heart. Heart. Now listen, we've learned before God moves that He always have a time of preparation. We also learned last week that preparation is a choice. You have to choose to want to be prepared. You have to choose to be prepared and you have to choose to be used by God. When God, whenever God run upon you and He wants to do something, He's not going to force you to do anything. It's a choice. It's always a choice. Amen. In other words, God may desire to use us, but if we have to, but we have to still choose to be used by an almighty God. He can desire it, but you have to choose. Yes, God, I know that you want to use me and I yield to be used by you. God is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. Amen. We learned last week that preparation is the unseen work that produces seen results. It's the unseen work that produces seen results. So whatever results we're going to see, it's going to be something behind the scenes that you cannot see. I said preparation is the unseen work that produces seen results. In other words... If I want something to show up in my life, I have to do some works, listen, in some areas where no one can see. I have work to do if I want something to be seen. I have work to do if I want something to be seen. But if I do the unseen work... It, it, let me tell you, it's going to show up. It will be visible. And, and it will be seen if you do the underwear. That's what people want to bypass that. And they just want to be seen doing something. Or seen, or they want God to use them right quick. God said, but you haven't put in any unseen work. You want to be powerful in the Word, but you don't even study. No. Unseen work. So we learn that we all have to do the unseen work, every one of us, of preparing our heart for the next move of God. Church is always, always the next move of God. God is always moving. And the only way for us to be really ready for what God is going to do is that we have to have our heart right. We have to be getting prepared on the inside. Following me. Are you following me? 
And then I gave you the intent. I told you the intentions of this teaching is to, to make sure that I challenge you all in your heart conditions. It's time to examine our own heart. Because why? I want to assure that this church, that our hearts is prepared to be used. We have to be prepared to be used. I want to make sure that our hearts are right at all times. You know, and our, that our hearts are in a place where, where, where we need it to be restored. If our hearts are in trouble, if we're thinking wrong, acting wrong, being wrong, we need to change. Amen? There's a and now listen. There's a there's a generation of young men and young women we know that are hurting in this generation. We know that, and who and no, not only are they hurting, but they they they're lost and struggling, and they come to church. They strayed away from the things in their life that they were was raised to be in. Listen. So that means they've gone to church, they, you know, they've gone to church since they were little with their parents. But right now, as adults, you know, they strayed away from it. Strayed away from where they were raised and what they were raised to be and what they know to do. They just have strayed away. And God wants us to be involved with the restoration of them. We must be. We cannot, but uh, let me tell you, we can, we can say that we want to, but we cannot be a part of that restoration if our hearts are not right. And we want our hearts to be right so we can help them get back where they need to be. Because they think they're going to stay those little young things forever, but they're getting old all the time. Now, everybody's always willing to, to, to bend and fold when trouble comes. You know, when they've been diagnosed with something, then they want the whole church to come together, and we will, and pray and gather. But why wait? Because if you live long enough, let me tell you, and, and you're outside of the will of God, oh, the, the enemy's going to accommodate you soon. Know that. But God needs our hearts to be right so that we can establish the church. So the church can be have some permanence. We want some permanence in this church, established forever from generation to generation. But generation to generation, our heart has to be right from generation to generation. We need to leave some resources in the earth so that the church can continue. It's your church. It's your responsibility. We all need to come together as one to make sure everything is set and done. Some of you, you're just living for today. You don't know what's going to be. You ought to want to make sure this church stay established for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. When you're not here, that they have somewhere to go. That you know it's teaching balanced word. Because there's plenty out there for them to get into that's unbalanced and all against the Word of God and claiming to be a Christian. But when you know that, you should say, you know what, i got to make sure that this church stays here. Because when I'm gone and I have grandchildren, I want them safe. It's nothing worse. My fa- our founding pastor always would say, it's not, I want to make sure when I get to heaven, I want to make sure all of my children, my grandchildren, I want to see them coming through. I don't even see how God could wipe away my tears if I don't see not a one of my loved ones, if they miss it and don't come through. So what is it? So that gives me every intention to say, well, I'm going to do everything I can. To make sure that happens. Now you can't force them to do anything. But you can live your life in such a way. That they will run to it. They'll want what you have. 
They'll want what you have. Amen? So, again, if your heart is not right, you're not going to be prepared. If your heart is not right, you will not do the work that God wants us to do here. You won't do the work of restoration. Listen, you may cheer somebody else on that's doing it, but you won't be a part of it because your heart is not right. If our hearts are not right, we cannot and will not manifest the love of God. We can't, let me tell you, we cannot let somebody know how good God is and how much God loved them when we don't love them. They're not going to hear that. And let me tell you, if you're not right towards them, you'll never be able to minister to them. Are you with me? Simply put, if our heart is not right, God, period, cannot use us. And you can say you're a Christian, you can say you come to church, but this is a heart issue that God is dealing with us this morning. God is not really looking for our talents and our abilities. He's looking for the heart. And when you have the right heart, then he'll use your gifts and talents. But he's not looking for them. Did you get that? He's not looking for them. But he'll use them once he knows that your heart is right. Amen? And then I gave you the purpose of this teaching. It is to focus our attention on the work. The work that God has called us to. This is not about, listen, this is not about my, uh, the person sitting next to you. It's not about the person sitting in the back of you. It's not about your spouse. This unseen work of preparing your heart, you must focus for yourself. This whole message is about focusing on you. I want us to focus right now. And, and, and even going into the fast, we need to focus on the work on the inside of us. We said, Father, I, I want to, we, we want this fast because so, we don't want to hinder any of the work that's ahead of us. We want to get everything out that's not like us. In this fast, Father, I want to examine my heart. So this morning, he's going to teach you some things to take into your, into your fast. Amen? Now, because we don't want to ever, ever be the one that's hindering the work of God or the will of God. Because all of us are affected by it. If we're honest, and everybody in here want to be honest this morning, because, see, we're dealing with then something that nobody can see, your heart. Only you and God knows. And so if we're really honest, there are things on the inside of us that we don't, you know, we just don't allow God to come in and take care of because it's hidden. Did you hear me? But let's be honest, there are things on the inside. And if we don't allow God today to work on the inside, it will hinder what God is going to do in your life, what He's desiring to do in your life. It's going to hinder it. What God desires to do in this church is going to hinder it. So you don't want to be the one that, that want to interfere with what God wants to do in this ministry or in your personal life. So God, whatever you're dealing with me about, I recognize it. I see it. And I make the change. Are you with me? I told you that our goal is, with, is to establish the will of God in you and in this church. Establish it. And the will of, I'm telling you, the will of God, will of God, it would be for us 
to not only restore those that are lost and struggling, but those that come in that are hurting. That's the will of God. We are people that have healing in our hands, healing in our mouth, healing with words. And God is like, I want to use that. I want to be able to heal. I'm going to send people from all over that are hurting. And I want you to be there to heal. And we can. We must make sure, though, that our heart is right. It is key to us being able to be healers. It's key to us being able to be heard. It's key to us becoming a success. With the will of God. It's all in the heart. It's all in your heart. Now listen what I didn't say about this ministry and about ourselves or whatever. I didn't say that I want people to come to this place just um, where, where, where millions could come. I want, we want millions. I, didn't even, I don't even mean that we want thousands. To just come. We just want them to come to this place. I didn't put any quantifier on this. Because it's not about numbers. When God is dealing with your heart, it's not about numbers. The Bible, Because see, we don't have to worry about numbers because the Bible already tells us what God does. It says in the Bible that God, God alone adds to the church as such as should be saved. So they're going to come. God determines who's going to come. We have to make sure that when they come, our heart is right, whoever comes. Are you with me? That's all our concern is. We don't have to concern ourselves with anything else other than the fact that I want to be right. So if God sends one person to this church or to my church. If you're in here, you might belong to another church or whatever. But if God sent one person to your church, you have to make sure, listen, listen to me closely, that I'm the person that can be used by God and I'm going to make sure I help to heal them. If God sends two people to my church, i got to make sure that that in this place they can that I'm I'm there ready and prepared to heal their hurts. Listen, I want you to get size out of your head. It's not about size. It's not about how many come. It's not about how big a facility is and how great a cathedral is and how how big. It's not about those things. It's what's happening on the inside of the walls that's important. I'd rather stay in a storefront with people with right hearts than a big cathedral that's full of people, thousand upon thousand, and everybody's heart's wrong. So you've got to look past all the natural stuff. It's not about those things. It's about a heart issue. Issue. What happens behind the closed doors? What happens inside the doors? What happens inside church? When we come into the building, when we come as a church, into a local congregation, everyone's... Just think, if everybody's heart was right, there'd be no conflicts. 
You could use this for marriage and in straight across the board. When your heart is right, it eliminates the conflicts. Listen, the work of restoration, write it down, is not numerical, it's, it's individual. I'll say it again. The work of restoration, which is what we do, is not numerical. It's individual. So stop thinking numbers. It's individual. Each one of us understanding when somebody is hurting, it's going to take all of us, not one or two, all of us in order to heal those hurts once they come into the congregation. If you have been hurt in your life, you know it took a lot of people to come and pour it out into your life that you might be healed, that you might be made whole. Different things had to happen in order for you to become whole. So it is with the, with the church. When someone comes in, everybody got to be on point. You need to make up in your mind. This should be your mindset. If one person... If it's just one, I don't even care if it's one person that joins my church this year, they're going to get to know me. See, changing your heart, they're going to get to know me. I'm going to walk with them through new members class. I'm going to sit with them in able ministers class because they'll eventually join that. I'm going to call them every week. I'm going to take them out to dinner. See, I'm going to pour my heart out to them. Why? Because God has already told me, told us He's sending those that are hurting. So why am I doing this? Because it's not about how many God sends, because if just one, we need to make that happen. It's not about how many, church, that He sends. Somebody might have came in this, this morning, I'm telling you, or come Sunday. You know what? That's why God have you here today, for you to understand that. That's why He having you come back tonight, so you can understand that. He said, if just one come, what are you going to do? Give it all. And God's watching the heart. And then I told you my objectives was several things that I'm going to be ministering on over the next few weeks. And I, we talked about last week on how to restore your heart. And then today, how to change our hearts. And then we said we're going to talk about how to have a heart to obey. Then we, talk, we said we're going to teach on how to prepare our heart to minister. How to have a heart to restore the lost. How to have a heart to restore my brother. That one's very important. You know, most of the time I found out, church, that most of our work is not finding people who never knew God. It's recovering people who once knew Him and are now have strayed away from their first love. It's not so much about trying to find somebody new. We have to restore the ones that once knew Him and strayed away. And then we're going to teach on how to have a heart to be one. In other words, how we can get the work to get work done by working together to accomplish the will of God. We also learned last week how to restore our heart. That is to repair and to rebuild the damage that has been done. That, you know, that may be on the inside. The un all this is unseen work. Because to me, everybody looks like everybody has it going on. But there's things going on on the inside. The unseen restoration that needs to take place. In the heart.
How many of you know if you live long enough, listen, there are things that are in your heart that have to be repaired. You've been living long enough to know there are things in your heart that have to be repaired and be rebuilt. There's things that have happened in your life that maybe no one knows about but you and God. But they have to be repaired and revealed. Because why? We have to understand that we go through situations and things happen to us in our life. And they do cause hurts. So we understand that. They do cause hurts. We also learned last week if we're going to be prepared in our heart. First of all, our hearts have to be healed. And we learned also that our hearts can't be healed until we forgive. That was a big part of last week's teaching. Forgiveness. God has forgiven us, but now we have to forgive ourselves and also we have to forgive others. If you're going to have, if you, that's the first step in having a changed heart. I must forgive. I don't care what they did. I don't care if they were in the wrong. See, we're not talking about the way you see something. We're talking about kingdom living now. We're talking about citizens of the kingdom acting according to citizen principles. So I don't care who was wrong. God doesn't care who was wrong. God is not dealing with them. He's dealing with you. Well, when is he going to deal with them? Well, what does that have to do with you? If he never dealt with them, what does that have to do with you? You still got to do what you're supposed to do, whether he deals with them or not. So you can't get caught up on, well, I'm waiting to make sure that he's, you know, God's going to do something to their heart. No, God said, I'm, that's not your business about what I'm going to do to them. You just better get it. Are you, are you following me? You know, we always want to know what about the next person. We also learn that our hearts have to be clean. And the only way that our hearts can be clean, we have to repent. God can't use us with a dirty heart. And listen, sometimes you have to repent of things in your heart that only you and God knows that are there. See, this is, what, this is where Christians fall off, and this is where they miss it, and they don't seek the Lord. Listen. Repentance is not always just for things that you got caught doing. See, we all can repent because we, oh, we did that. Oh, oh, I did this wrong. I need to repent. Oh, yeah, they caught me doing that. Or you tell somebody, oh, you know that sin. Do that. Repentance is also for things that nobody sees. But we only want to repent for things that are visible. Things that somebody said, oh, I repented from that and you know I had to repent. But what about the things that no one sees but God? There are some things in all of our hearts that we have allowed to be in our hearts. Nobody knows that God said it's time to get rid of it. It's time to repent from it. You know, sometimes people have a hard time dealing with us, and you think, "Oh God!" And they, and you, so let me, let me, let me show you how you cannot know that it's your heart, and it's you though. And if you're in here, God is speaking to you. A lot of times, people have a hard time dealing with you, and they think it's them, but God said it's you. 
Oh, I had every intention of it being that quiet. But I'm telling you what God said. God said, yeah, you think it's them, but I'm telling you this morning, it's you. And they can, they're continually apologizing to you. Apologizing. Because they think that they did something wrong. But really, there is something wrong in you. You know why? Because it seems like every time somebody approaches you, the relationship turns toxic. Why? People are walking on eggshells around you. But you are the one with the broken egg. And God is telling us right now, you got to clean some things up on the inside. Hey, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with God. You don't like it, you need to talk to God. But God said, you have to clean some things up on the inside that only he and you know about. Nobody else knows. I know right now where you're sitting, you think everybody knows, but nobody knows but you and him. You know what that's called? Conviction. That's all that's called. Conviction. And if you're convicted by it, then what? Repent. It's just that simple. Then we ended last week saying, I'm trying to get to the new information. We ended last week saying that a prepared heart is a heart that is guarded. That's what we ended on. I I want to encourage you. Everyone in here, you need to go back and read Proverbs 4 4, until you get it down on the inside of you. Because the Bible tells us that you have to keep your heart with all diligence. Because out of that heart flows the issues of life. Make it yours. Own that scripture. That will make you keep your heart. Because you have to guard your heart. Now, we talked about this in previous teachings, but I'm going to give you how you guard your heart. In some of our older teachings, I've given you these. Some of you may have it. Some of you may remember. Some of you don't. But God said, reiterate it. Letter A, the thing you have to do to guard your heart. You have to guard what your eyes see. You have to. You can't look at everything and have a clean and right heart. Sometimes you gotta, men, sometimes you gotta just stop looking at women. You just have to say, you know what? Especially if you have your own. You just have to stop. And if you don't have your own, at some time you need to just stop. Because it's dealing with your heart. Things are getting in your heart. Sometimes you just have to turn off the TV. Sometimes you gotta just stop looking at the news. Let's go there. Sometimes you just need to stop looking at the news because everything is going, it's just too much. Turn off NSNBC. Sometimes you have to say, you know what, I don't need to look at no more of this. Because let me tell you, if you look at the news long enough, you're going to have an opinion about young black guys and Hispanic guys. If you look at news long enough, you're going to have an opinion about middle-aged Caucasian men. 
Because you put it, you just let it flood into your heart. And you just, and sometimes you gotta say, let me cut this off. Because it's getting down on the inside. Now all of a sudden you don't want to deal with no black guy. And, and even some of you, you, I mean black boys that look like you, you don't even want to deal with them. Oh Lord. Because opinion has been, you've watched so much of it about it on the news, now it's down in your heart. Some, you have, if I'm a guard in my heart, I gotta watch what I'm looking at. I have to turn it off. You're going to start looking at people a certain way. That don't look like me. Hmm. Mm-mm. Yeah, I can't believe they do. But they white. You know, something happened to you, you be like, well, they white or black. See, you've already, your heart is already like, well, uh, that's just what you do. And that lets you know that your heart has already been tainted. No, uh-uh, they wasn't here. They were Mexican because they weren't. See, we are, it's all. And so everybody has their people. So now I'm looking all my eyes and look every time a Mexican guy come back. He man, I'll be doing nothing to me. Because why? Now your heart is tainted. Because now I done put it in. Every time you see a black guy, you want to see if they're head pain. You want to go on the other side of the street. All because I looked at the news too long. And I made a judgment. And all of us, listen to me. Everybody have judged somebody by just looking at them. Everybody have. You looked at them and you judged them by the way they were dressed. You've judged them by the way they talk. You judged them. You just looked at them and said, mm, mm, mm. I already know he's a thug heathen. I already know. I already know she's this. And you don't know anything. Let me tell you. When I was up in D.C. last week and uh, I went to, me and my sister went to, uh, a hotel and they had it was like a comic con and all these people were dressed in all this weird stuff and everything now my first uh, my first deal because these people were serious they were laughing they were all in character they were walking around the whole hotel was full of, and me and my sister and a friend of us, we just sat down and enjoyed just looking at all of that that was that was a treat for us for the day because these people are serious and to me, I would think that why would be some, anybody be that dumb to go and do all that? And I mean, they made up from the head to toe. But mostly every one of them were IT grads. IT, I'm to people that are smart educational wise. I mean, high tech, deal with all of this weird stuff on it. You'd be like, oh my God. Am I the only one with sense around here? You know, because, I mean, and they walking around looking like we, you know, they got swords and big hammers like they about to crush you. And, and everybody know who everybody is. I said, oh, my God, this was it. We stayed there for about three hours just watching because the whole hotel was full of them. And they were everywhere. And, I mean, every character you saw. I got pictures with them. I kept stopping them. I said, let me take a picture with them. They, and they loved to. I was all up under the feathers so much. I was like, I guess they were saying, well, you know what? Why are you in character? Because I was like, and, and my sister was laughing every time somebody, I said, can, can I take a picture with you? They said, yeah, and they loved to take pictures. They some show-offs, too. They loved it. They was like, yeah, and I was taking, I took a whole bunch of pictures. I'm at the 
Put them on the deal. I'm all, I'm all in the mess. I showed my granddaughter next Madam, I want to go see them. Because she thinks they cartoon. No, those are real people. Those are real people. But my point is, you can make judgment calls toward people without even knowing just by what they look like or what they said or how they talk or they didn't use their language the right way or whatever. You be like, oh, they this, they, oh, they ghetto, they ghetto. They got more money than you. But we've all done that. Let it be. I got to move on. I have to guard my, to guard my heart. I got to guard my ears. What I hear. You got to do that. Nobody's going to do that for you. And I, this is what I love. And I love the youth and the young people. We're older too. Oh, old too. They say, most of you all would say it. I shouldn't even say it that first. I should have asked you and y'all would say, how many of you like to listen to mu- music just for the music? Because, see, that's what everybody say. I like to listen just for the music. But you sing the words. See, but you sing the words. But you just like the music. But you sing the words. Got to guard what you hear. Guarding your heart. You can't keep hearing stuff over and over again and it doesn't get on the inside of you. It'll get on you quick. I'm telling you, my grandson was back there when we were practicing for New Year's. And we were back there with Isaac, uh, the ministers, and we were all practicing the song, you know. And, and my grandson, he was in his room, and he was playing, and he was singing it. Ah, God. He was, because he was in there when we were practicing, but he was hearing it over and over and over again. And just that quick, he was playing with a toy, and then he was, he was singing it, and he was, God is there. I said, oh, you know what? He got that. But then, after we hadn't sung it for a while, he was sitting at the table the other day, and he said, Madam, Remind me of that song, that song that you see, because he wanted to sing it, but he couldn't remember it because it wasn't being repetitive. But before we were singing it every day and he would just sing it without us. But it's the same principle. Something that you hear over and over again, it's going to get down in you. Let us see. We have to guard our, our minds. It's going to change the way you think. Your mind, listen, can take you to some places. How many of you know sometimes you can, your mind will even surprise you? You'd be like, oh my God, I know my mind didn't go there. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. No, uh-uh. It'll shock you where your mind will take you. It'll just go. I mean, you could be sitting there, and the next thing you know, your mind is gone somewhere that even you are shocked about. You're like, now where did that come from? You've even said it out loud. you got to guard your mind. Guard the way you think. Let me tell you, your mind will take you to some crazy places. Make you think things that are not there. That sometimes you have to tell your mind, enough. Enough. I'm not going down that street with you. I'm not going to do that. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to lead me to do something, say something crazy. You have to say, enough. See, you have to stop it. That's how you guard it. You just can't let it run rapid or you're going to go from one thought to another, one thought to another, one thought. It's just going to stack it on you. you got to check your mind and say, enough, enough. When it gets stupid on you and you start thinking some weird, crazy stuff, say, enough. I gotta make you pay for that thought. 
But you got to know how to make it pay. Well, that's a whole nother subject. Then we have to guard what our hands handle. Mm. Listen. It's hard to sin without the use of your hands. Think about it. Every sin that you committed, your hands were involved. If it was sexual, your hands were involved. It starts with the hands. If you went in the store to take something, your hands was involved. It's very few things that you can sin without using your hands. And that's pretty much with the thought life. And the thought life, it'll dominate so much that it'll make you use your hands. So you got, listen to me, listen, we got to be careful with these hands. And you also have to guard your feet. Your feet, and let me tell you, guard where your feet will carry you. Your feet will stomp you into anywhere. Actually, note, note this, you need to understand, you have two sets of feet. Not, not two feet, but you have two sets of feet. You have a natural set and you have a virtual feet. That virtual feet will take you all over the world. It'll take you down corridors. <laughs> It'll take you to so many different places. It'll take you on great journeys. It'll take you into conversation and images. Virtual feet. See, not just these. See, these are also take you. You got to watch where they take you. But them virtual feet. Watch where your feet will carry you. We're talking about things that'll, that's going to destroy your heart, make you have a wrong heart. You got to guard that. Now, go with me for the new information. Mm-mm-mm. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to push on. Hebrews chapter 12. But we still have tonight, but let's run over to Hebrews chapter 12. God is a good God. Amen and amen. And subtitle this, if you will, How to Change My Heart. Now you can write that once or however you want to do it and we'll go from there. We can't prepare without a changed heart. You can't be used if God can't change your heart. What I think is more dangerous than having someone uh, or something in your heart, listen, something that I feel is more dangerous. Because, see, if you have something in your heart, it needs to be changed. But something that I found out that I think is more dangerous than just having something in your heart in your heart is having something in your heart and God not being able to change it. That's the, that's, that's the, that's the dangerous If you're honest, we all have or had something in our heart that shouldn't have been there. And as bad as it was, it wasn't the real danger. The real danger is when you got truth, would you let it out? Once you get truth, the danger is... I have this in my heart and I won't let God change it. Then guess what? It won't change. If you're struggling in any area, if you won't let God change it, it won't change. It won't change. 
You got to say, God, I want to change. Again, we've all looked on somebody, the way they dress or they, because, you know, that's just in our heart. I'm telling you, we got to change. You know, it, that ain't even, you know what? That, that even, what, not even the danger part, that we looked at people wrong and judged them wrong. The, the danger is, now that God has revealed it to you, can you let it go? Can you stop judging people by what you see? Church, from time to time, we need to need a, a changing heart. There's things that we don't want to change in our heart. When you don't want to change something in your heart, guess what? It gets hardened. Our heart is like concrete. Listen to me. Our heart is like concrete. It's a liquid. Listen. But it comes solid with stagnation. Our heart is like a liquid. But when you're stagnant or you don't stop or you don't do anything, it becomes a stagnation. It becomes hard. Listen to me. I'm going to give you an example. How many of you have ever seen concrete trucks? Those big concrete truck trucks. Have you noticed that those big barrels that they have on the back of it, they're constantly moving around because there's cement in there. And as long as it's moving, it's not gonna be it's not gonna set. It's not gonna stop. That's why it's constantly rolling. It's constantly like, it's not gonna get solid but uh, uh, it's, until it stops or until you set it. Or until it comes stagnant. But it always, even when they pour it in a little barrel, that little barrel is rolling around. Because it has to keep moving. It's a liquid. A person can sit down and pour concrete all day. And can sit in a lawn chair and take a water hose, a simple water hose, and wash it down the whole time. But let it set. Once it's set, it's cemented. It's cemented. So that's what God is doing this morning. He's revolving and revolving around and around to make sure that our hearts don't set. We will, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something in you. I gotta keep it moving. Gotta keep it moving. Cause as soon as it's poured out, it sets. In church, there's things, if we, you know, and we're in a position where God can continually put yourself in position. God continue, continually rotate my heart. I want a good heart. Rotate it. Things that are set up. Listen. Once something concretes and sets and becomes stone, it's hard to get out. Like I said, somebody could just pour concrete and as long as I have a water hose... Is moving, it's going to do it. But once it's set, once it's set, it's going to take a jackhammer to get it up. Now it's harder to get through. That's how you have, that's why you say, harden not your heart. Because now it's going to be harder to get up. You know, you're going to fight every time the word, the truth of the word goes forth to free you. You're going to fight it because your heart is hardened. You don't want that. Listen. The word change means to make different in some way. We gotta change. That's all it means. To make different in some way. 
We don't want our hearts to be so hard that we can't get rid of it. It's just just hard and ugh. When it says that change means to make different, simply put, God just wants to make something different in you. It also means, listen, change means to convert. It means to modify. It means to rebuild or to shift. So that's all God is doing right now. He's converting, He's modifying, He's rebuilding, He's changing, and He's shifting right now. Changing our hearts is what I have to do. You have to tell yourself, I have to do it. Now, today, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you what to do. Then you have to go home and you have to do the work. See, I'm, a, I, I'm, giving, I'm doing the hard part. God is giving you what to do. Then you have to go home and do it. To change my heart, I have to, first, number one, receive correction. And God is about to correct. You must receive correction. You cannot change your heart without correction. Why am I corrected? When I am corrected, it's because I am wrong. Know that. If God is correcting me, it's because I'm wrong. If you keep saying it's not me or you get offended by what is taught, it's because you have a concrete heart. You don't want a cemented heart. When I am corrected, it is because I am wrong. Now, this principle is easily applied to someone else when you're correcting them. We all, oh, you just, you, you know, you're being corrected because that's wrong. That's just wrong. When we tell them on our job. Or we tell you at church that you're wrong. When we're correcting others. It's because they're wrong. When your founding pastor would correct, you get offended, but it's because you were wrong. You, you thought you were dealing with a man. And right now you're going to think you're dealing with a woman. And you're still wrong. Because you're not. This is the way we think. Now, when someone is correcting us, now, when we're correcting somebody, it's because they're wrong. But when we're being corrected, now we're being mistreated. Now we're being singled out. See, it's different. Oh, they're trying to put me on blast. I'm being mishandled. I'm being misjudged. Whenever you're being corrected, but the only time you're being corrected is because you're wrong. Now, understand this. Because you're wrong doesn't mean you have a bad heart. See, there's a difference. It doesn't mean you have a bad heart. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just simply means that you're wrong. You're wrong in that area. 
For example, if a teacher corrects you, well, this is for the students. When a teacher corrects your exam, listen, listen closely. It doesn't mean that you're a bad student. It meant number four is wrong. If a teacher come and tell you this, now we, we you always have people in classes that want to go negotiate with the with, with the professor, the teacher, whoever, gonna negotiate as if a math problem can be right and wrong. And you, they want you know you still want that grade, so you be like, ah, uh, I thought that was a four. So teacher, can you do that? Said yeah, but it wasn't a four. See, one thing you have to understand, whether you made a mistake or not, it's wrong. But if, well, well, if it was a four, can you just recalculate that? Because if it was a four, it would have been right. But it wasn't a four. And guess what? The instructor said, you know what? It's not that you're a bad student, but number four, six, and eight is wrong. It doesn't make you a bad student. It simply lets you know you're wrong. And you're trying to negotiate, they're trying to make it right. Because we always have those that can find a way to make wrong right. Well, I did it because of this, and I said this because of that. I said, you're wrong. That's why it pays to be quiet. Don't, let me tell you, God doesn't mean, when God said, let us reason together, He didn't mean negotiate. The reasoning is, so you can get your head right, I'm going to instruct you right. But you're not reasoning with God to try to negotiate anything. And that's what we want to do. We want to negotiate. Well, he's not, let me say, he's a teacher. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. But he understands too, you are the student. So don't come, whatever, I don't care if you mistakenly saw a wrong thing, it's still wrong. And you're still going to get that grade. Same way, God is not going to recalculate anything. And the reason we get upset is that we don't want to be corrected. And you can still make, you can still tell yourself you're right. And when correction comes, you are offended. It's offensive. Wait a minute, I was right. No, you were wrong. You were wrong. What do you mean I was wrong? If God is up here telling you you're wrong, how would you, why would you ever want to make it like you're right? Why would you want to try to find somewhere in the scripture to contradict God trying to, that, see, that's called a concrete heart. You're seeming it in. And now God's trying to give you the word, and because you got cement there, do you know I'm telling you, once the cement is there, it's hard to get, you, you can't, it's impossible to get something in. It's cement it. But the jackhammer's here today. But you gotta let it be crushed. And you gotta say, okay, it's crushed, that's it. Hebrews chapter 12, are you there? Now he tells us, well, 12, beginning at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Now, he tells us, looking unto Jesus. Jesus had to strive against sin, living a sinless life, but we strive against sin by being corrected. There's your answer. You strive against sin when you are corrected. So how many corrections have you spit back when God's been trying to deal with you about striving in that sin? When you are out of line and it takes, it takes, let me tell you, let me, let me tell you something about for a person. It takes endurance to take correction. You have to have endurance. Correction, listen, is not for the weak. Because you're not going to take it. It's not for the weak-minded. It's not for the soft. You have to have some internal, internal fortitude for correction in order to be corrected. And love it. Look at verse 5. And ye have forgotten that exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Don't chive against him. Don't get, don't faint. Oh, because we can get, when we get corrected, we can get all faint. Oh, oh Lord, I can't believe they said that. I can't, oh, stop it. Look at verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son. So everybody gets it with whom he receiveth. For ye did endure, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as the sons. For that, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, Whereof everybody gets chastised, but if you don't take it, he says, you're like bastards and not sons. I'm reading the scriptures. Furthermore, we have not fathers of our own flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more give, uh, rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us. After their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastisement, no chastening, for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nobody says hallelujah when they're being chastened. But grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised Thereby, if you want to be right and have peace, listen, you have to practice correction. You got to practice it. How do I practice correction? Whenever I am corrected, whatever I was corrected by, I take that correction and I practice it. See, it ain't just saying, hallelujah, I got it in one time. Nope, you got to practice that correction. Practice is more than one time. 
Listen to me. If you want to be right, if you want to have peace, you've got to practice correction. Correction has no value until you practice what you were corrected in. It has no value. So hearing it and not doing it has no value. It's not until you practice it. You have to practice correction. You can't say, oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was wrong. No, you have to practice. You have to exercise. Exercise what you were corrected with. I was corrected with that today. I got to exercise it. You have to do what you have been required and to change. You have to do. You have to do it. Three things, three ways that God is going to change us. Number one, He corrects us through His Word. And that's usually the way you're going to get corrected. He also corrects us by His Spirit. And this one is good. He corrects us through authority. Mm, our biggest, Our biggest trouble. He corrects us through His Word, by His Spirit, and through authority. Go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I must allow God to change me, change my heart. The Word of God is profitable for correction. Now, this is why I'm not a big fan of daily, those daily devotional books that you buy at the Bible stores and you can buy at the store. And, you know, and people get them and they're okay, but I'm not a personal fan of them. You know why? Because those books, all they usually do is tell you how you're going to be blessed, uh, all, you know, tell you all what's promised, what you're going to get. And, you know, how God is going to forgive you and, and how you need to just go on with God and how He loves you. And all those things are right and good and true. But, that's what we want them for. If that's all that you look at, you won't look at correction. Just get you a daily devotion. It'll tell you how good God is to you. And again, God is good. And, and all of it is great, wonderful, and true. But what happens, we never look at the Word for correction. This is a book of corrections. This is a book of corrections. We See, we want to put that aside and go get a devotional. And let it tell me how good God is to me. You gotta look in this book to get correction. This book is, let me tell you, it's profitable to correct us. See, we all look at profit when it comes to money, but you ought to look at profit when it comes to God blessing you by correcting you. Now watch this, in Mark chapter 4, this is the parable of the sower. And I'm gonna start at verse 13. Verse 13. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable, and how then will you know all parables? Jesus gave a parable, and now in this, he's going to give the interpretation. Are you with me? At 13. At, I mean, at, uh, yeah, 13, 14. The, uh, he, he's, he's giving the interpretation. The sower soweth the word, and these are they 
by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now there are two key words or two key phrases here that's important. The word heard. Make sure you highlight that. The word heard. Now, that means when we talk about the word, we're not, listen, we're not just talking about it. Listen, we're not just talking about just reading. Because it says, when you heard. You've heard. Listen. Because when it's sown, you hear it. So he said, when you, let's read it again. And there they, and these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they heard. Listen, heard, you gotta hear it. It's sown, and they heard it. The second key to that scripture is Satan comes to take it out of my heart. Now, this is what I want you to know. Satan doesn't take it out of your CD. He doesn't take it out of your MP3 download. He doesn't take it out of your notes. You still have your notes. He doesn't take it out of those devotionals or the devotion that you do at home. He doesn't take that. You're still doing those. He doesn't even take it out of the Bible. The word is still in the Bible. This word said, he comes to take it out of your heart. He don't care about you taking notes. <laughs> he don't care about you listening to a CD. Because the downloads, the CDs does no good, is no good. The CD of none effect. As far as the enemy is concerned. Your notes, no profit. Nothing. Even the writing in this book, is, it, 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 it really doesn't do anything to you. Satan is not scared of you reading it every day. I'm going to read through the Bible and for a whole year. Okay. That's not where he's coming. The Bible just said he's coming to take it where? From your heart. So you can read all you want. You can listen to CDs all you want. That's not how he's coming. I can't believe that part of the term. The devil is a liar. He thinks I'm not going to read this word. No, and it's important that you read the word. But I, that's not how he's coming. He's like, read all you want. Because I'm just going to make sure you don't get it in your heart. That's why I'm not even a fan of reading the Bible through. Okay, now what? Did it make you any holier? What did it do? People get, you know, that's a big thing to read the Bible already through. First of all, you don't even know what you're reading. Because when you go through the Old Testament, you can't have pronounced half the word. You don't even know. But you want to just say that. The devil don't mind that. He's like, oh, you even pronounced them all wrong. I knew all them, all the people you just know. The ones that you were saying, I don't even know. Because you didn't even pronounce them right. 
So the, the reading the Bible is not what the devil. The Bible here says he's coming after you, getting it in your heart. Immediately. My CD broke. The devil is a liar because they just don't want me to hear the word. He don't care about you hearing the word. Just not in your heart. You know why? Because he says, and Satan says to himself, I know this one thing. That cannot stay in their heart. They just tried to drop that in their heart. This is what we're talking about today. Satan is saying, no way, no way, no way. I'm going to let that get in his heart. Brother Valentine, the enemy saying, no way, no, no way. I'm going to let him get that in his heart today. But the devil is a liar now because the jackhammer's here. You see, every he he's like, no, I'm not gonna let that go. I'm not gonna. Uh, let me tell you, many of you around the room, the devil is saying, don't believe what she's saying. God's word is good. Go read your Bible. As long as it don't get in your heart, he don't care about you doing that. Listen, you better listen. You better listen closely, because this is. This is detrimental not only to your health, it's your life. He knows it can't stay in your heart. He'll let you write down everything I'm saying. He just don't want it to get in your heart. He don't care about that. Because writing it down won't change your life. It's getting it in your heart that's going to change you. I don't care how many notes you take. As a matter of fact, church, we have all become professional gatherers of the word. I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that. We've gathered books and books of notes and Bibles and gathered CDs and scriptures and all of that. But how much of it is in your heart? The devil don't care that you have all that stuff. Neither do God. Because God comes to give it to you to sow the seed to get down in your heart. Not for you to just write down. Not for you to say you have. Not to just put in your player in your car. Now, all of that is fine and good. I'm not saying you don't have to do it. I'm saying if you're going to listen to a CD, make sure it gets in your heart. Don't just listen to it just to pass the time. Say, this i got to get in my heart. Because the enemy's saying, nope, nope, nope. He's going to give you every distraction so it won't get down in there. Listen, listen, look at verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Hallelujah! Praise God! Oh my God, that was so, so good. Oh, oh, yeah, all that. Look at verse 17. And have no root in themselves. And so they endure, but for just a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, which are such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, and entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundredfold. Church, I'm going to give you some things, if I had time, 
And then we're going to have to go to home and do the work. But we'll have to give you those things tonight. But listen to me. Listen. Get this about your heart. It's in the heart. He's not worried about anything else because he's, he comes immediately. He's coming after the He said, as long as I don't get... That's how you can have arguments in church. That's how you can be back and forth, carnal, in a bunch of foolishness, all because it didn't get down in your heart. We have too many Bible studies, too much words that go forth for us to be fooling around. Listen, don't let your heart get cemented. You know the word cement... And cement is the same word. It's the same word. You cannot, let me tell you, do not let your heart be cemented. Let God crush that thing. Don't die like that. Just say, no, I'm not going to make this. I'm, I, you know what? Get outside of yourself. Just If it's just for the day, God will do a work. If you just get outside today, God will jackhammer that thing, crush that thing, so that your heart can be full of every word that go for. Every time the correction comes, you will no longer be offended. You'll be like, Father, you're going to learn something tonight, how you're going to love correction. When God gets through, you're going to love correction. As a matter of fact, you're going to be upset when you're not getting corrected. Correction is key to having a good heart. Correction is key to having a solid heart to go and do anything and be anything God has done. Let me tell you, it's going to help you in every area of your life. Come back tonight and see. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com. Yeah.